With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance a nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. I just discovered that I had myself muted, but here I am. Don't worry. Uh, one minute into the program, this there is a program. Um, sorry about that. Today's an Anytown High School day, um, which I just tweeted. Yes, I tweet. Part of me is a little ashamed to admit it, but... All I really tweet about is that the radio program is on. So this tweet just said, CPS at school is on the air live, and today's an A-Town High School day. Little did I know that no one heard it because, well, my microphone was off, but now my microphone is on. And, um, yes, just another exciting moment on collaborative problem solving at school, one of many that have occurred over the course of this school year on this program. But I'm delighted that you have uh, joined in on today's program. Today is our last Anytown High School program of the year. And I want to begin by, and they're muted right now so they can't respond. I wield great power with this uh, control panel. I can not only mute them, I can mute me unintentionally. But I want to give a big thanks to the folks at Anytown High School for their courage Um, at letting us listen in on the process of them learning how to do collaborative problem solving over the course of this school year and part of last. um, Feedback I get on these Anytown programs is that people, thousands of them, are finding the program to be extremely valuable. So um, a big shout-out, I hate that expression as well, to our friends at Anytown High School, who I have just brought on the air. You're not muted anymore. How are you, Anytown High School? Good. Good, thanks. Did that silence at the beginning of the program freak you out? 
<laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, just another day in the life of collaborative problem solving at school. Um, how are you all doing? Um, getting near the end of the school year, aren't we? Don't sound so happy about that. Of course, this is radio, so we really can't see the looks on your faces, can we? Um, Good thing. Go ahead. I was just saying, good thing. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Well, I want to end the program by us letting you all talk a little bit about how you're going to keep the momentum going next school year. We still haven't figured out if we're going to keep this feature on collaborative problem solving at school live next school year. You wouldn't believe the number of schools that have been approaching me. Can they be the next Anytown? Um, so you've uh, you've We've got uh, competition. Set, you, you, have, you have competition, and um, yeah. But um, well, uh, I want to finish the program with that. But um, let's talk about what you all wanted to talk about today. And I understand you have some info to give us about um, progress that you've been making with a student or, or the lack thereof. I'm not exactly sure, but let's start there. All right, um, this is Kim. Hi, Kim. Hello. Um, I'll call the student David. Um, there was He was skipping a few classes, namely three of them in a row, um, two before lunch and then one after lunch. And we kind of just sat him down and I spoke to him about that. Now, when I started, it was like, I sat him down and said, hi, how are you doing? Um, And then I explained to him that he's been skipping some classes and it's been reflecting on his grades. And at first, he seemed really unwilling to speak at all. It was just like he was nodding his head, kind of like sitting back on his chair. And then I was like, what, like, why are you skipping? Like, what's going on? And from as soon as I said that, he started talking a little bit about, you know, his trouble with classes, um, especially his fourth period class, which is a geography class. Um, he mentioned how he doesn't like the other students, how he doesn't like the way the teacher will stop sometimes. Um, I'm not sure I got enough information on that one class, but he did mention that his fifth period and the sixth period class, which is a study hall, how he really just doesn't like the atmosphere and how there's different students there that he doesn't really get along with, which is why he said that he skipped study hall. Um, as for fifth period, it was a gym class, and he doesn't um, – it's not that he doesn't like playing sports. It's just that he got bored. But he didn't really open up about his geography class that much other other than to say that he – he didn't like the way the teacher would stop to address a student. I mean, was there something else I should have maybe drilled for before continuing? Well, um, let me make sure I'm clear. Um, were you talking with him about all three classes that he was skipping but it sounds like you were doing it one at a time. 
But you were trying were you oh. trying to talk with him about all three within the same conversation? I kind of just let him continue with it. He he started breaking down why he skipped each of like I just said, I noticed you've been skipping some classes. And then he goes, "Yeah, I skipped um 4, 5 and 6, which I already knew he did from his attendance, but he mentioned that himself. Like he brought it up. So I just let him continue, like, he gave me reasons for why he skipped each class. Um, Like, I didn't ask him specifics. He just said, oh, you know, period four, I don't really like this, this. And then he says, oh, and period five. And then he goes, um, and then after lunch, like, he mentioned the exact classes himself. Got it. So one possible strategy there. I mean, I, I think you want to be talking with him, up, even though he was skipping from one, yeah, skipping, even though he was bouncing around from one class to another, telling you why he was skipping it. One strategy would have been to exhaust the drilling one class at a time by saying something like, "You know what? I I'm, I got it. Let me um, just take this one at a time, just so I can make sure I understand as well as I possibly could." what's going on in each class. So I might have been happy that he was giving me some preliminary information about each class that he's skipping. But then I might have gone back to each one, one at a time, and said to him, all right, let me make sure I understand each class that you're skipping as well as I possibly can. That's what I might have done. So first of all, good that he was talking to you. Secondly, good that he was giving you information, some at least, about each class, but probably also good strategy to go back to each class to make sure that you have as comprehensive an understanding of why he's skipping it as possible. That makes sense? Yes, it does. Um, so let, let's us do that. Let's take them one at a time. What's He's skipping three of them. Yes, he is. What's 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 the first class? What's the class that's the first period he's skipping? Um, it's his geography class, which is his fourth period. Got it. What do we know about that one? Okay, what he mentioned was that the class itself was kind of loud. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the students are talking, and he he said that it looks like the rest of the class just woke up and they just started being active. And then everyone's, like, participating. Like, not participating, but they're talking to each other um, across the classroom or they're responding to something the teacher has said. Mm-hmm. And that's what bothers um, him. And got it. it. Keep going. And just to add to that one, this is Nina. I've had encounters with this student as well. And he typically comes to my science class. But he has made note of something very similar to me, where he was very sensitive to the noise level. And at times when I didn't think it was necessarily that loud, at least not in comparison to how some of the other groups can be, he was very sensitive to that fact. So that might be something you want to approach more in the future. Yes. So let's let's run with that. Um, What would you have asked... Next. Given that 
What would you Even that he next? said the truth was too loud for him? Yeah. Well, I asked him what specifically was it that was bothering him about the, the loudness. And he mentioned that sometimes um, he doesn't like certain students to be talking because they have a very loud voice in comparison to some other students who are also talking, but they're not super loud about it. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be, what I'm always telling people is that um, uh, your usual, one drilling strategy is asking questions about who, what, where, and when. This this sounds like one that we know already know where and when it's geography, but who and what sound what what are they saying what are they doing what's happening are they doing it this this actually there could actually be a when within a when are they doing it the whole class or only at the beginning um, so who what where when could be a productive line of inquiry there, especially who and what. Um, Another drilling strategy, breaking the unsolved problem down into its component parts. Don't know if that's um, one that I would have gone with there. Another is to ask about why the unsolved problem occurs under some conditions and not others, that might have been one related to, is it always, the noise always too much in geography or only on some days? And if it was some days, um, then we could ask about the difference between the days on which it's bad and the days on which it's not. Um, Doctor, another. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you think it would be appropriate to to ask how how this particular student feels when it gets loud? Because I don't want to lead him into wondering if there's some other underlying cause of the loudness being a factor. But I know that some of the kids get migraines, or if they're having trouble sleeping, or something like that. Like, would there be a way to kind of make sure that those bases are also covered? Or should we just come out and ask him something like that? I don't want to get him all off track, but... I think that that information is frequently volunteered. Um, And the truth is, a migraine, I suppose, um, if we asked him, what do you think is making it so loud for you? Um, That has the implication that it might not be so loud for everybody. Or I could be more direct and say, do other kids complain about the noise too? Or I could ask, do you feel like you're especially sensitive to the noise? Um, If I went with, do you feel that you're especially sensitive to the noise? He might say, yes, I get migraines. Do you get migraines before the noise, and that's what makes the noise really bad? It's the noise that gives you the migraine. That could be informative. Um, if he tells us that it's worse on some days than others and we ask him uh, what might account for that, he might say, well, some nights I don't get very much sleep and 
seems like the next day I'm just, you know, really impatient with all the noise that goes on in there. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different ways. This is what's sort of I often refer to the empathy step as sort of an adventure. Um, we really don't know where it's going to head. It's just that there are some questions. And, and in fact, you know, there's not necessarily one question that's the logical one to ask next, just as long as you're keeping the information flowing and sticking with the drilling strategies, my bet is that you're going to understand the unsolved problem more, going to get more information than what we know so far about geography, just by sticking with the drilling strategies. And then we'll understand it better than we do now. And here's the good news. What I'm always saying at the end of the empathy step, just when I think the empathy step is about to end, I think I'm there, right? I don't think it's anything left to learn. I'm always saying, is there anything else I need to know? Just as sort of my double check on whether the student has more to tell me than what the student is telling me. But it, it sounds like on that one, just given what we're talking about now, there's probably more drilling to be done. What do you think? Yeah, it's it definitely sounds that way. What's the next class he's skipping? His gym class. Gym. Remind me what we know about that one. Um, for him it's boring. Boring. Like it wasn't at the beginning of the year, but it is now. All right. Do we know any more than that? Um, he did mention that there's no um I guess he wants more activities. Um, but I'm just not sure exactly what he wanted. Um, okay, more activities would... So go ahead, sorry. Um, because he kept mentioning how, you know, it's the same game, but, I mean, you can only do so much in a 45-minute time, so... Right. And um, another game would be a solution... Um, uh, more activities and a different game would be a solution. We always play the same game would be a concern... Um, one question you might have asked this, it sounds like you might have, is this would be one of the drilling strategies. Why does, is this an unsolved problem under some conditions and not others? Sounds like a, that this one was ripe for that. Why was it uh, more interesting at the beginning of the year and less so now? Um, he mentioned that the students were more competitive in the beginning of the year. That there were, um, and there were some different students that he doesn't have there anymore, and they would make their own little like bas they would set up their own basketball game, and everybody was really into playing. And now it's just like he mentioned that there's not enough students who really want to do something competitive in the middle of the day before lunchtime. Okay, I, I'd say we know a fair amount there. Um. Uh, anybody anybody have any ideas about what you might have asked further? I mean, there's always something to ask further. So the fact that there was something else to ask further doesn't mean that somebody didn't drill well. But on the basis of that information, is anybody still um, wondering what some other potential drilling questions could have been? Well, Having Kim mention the fact that there are students missing from the gym class, that 
this one likes to be with. I'm curious to find out where he's been going during this time and if there are other students and if those students are possibly from his gym class that he's spending time with. Like, what is he doing during this almost three and a half hours of time when he's not in classes? And if maybe there's some, like, unmet need that he's trying to fill by being outside of the room or with certain people. Well, and as you know, collaborative problem solving is not big about unmet needs, but it is about concerns. Um, I don't know what... Well, no harm in asking, I suppose. Although unmet needs would not be one of our drilling strategies, but if there were unmet needs, and once again, that's usually the language of a somewhat different model, although one that's philosophically similar to collaborative problem solving, I tend to be interested in unsolved problems and concerns and perspectives. I find that unmet needs takes me in a different direction, but that's not that big of a deal. Um, Yes, it would certainly be interesting to know what he's doing instead. Um, although, if he's to be believed, then in geography, it's too loud. In um, gym, or whatever it's called, it's boring. Um, but I don't know if where he's going is meeting an unmet need or whether it's just loud in geography and boring in gym. Um, other questions that people might want to ask? I don't know. This is Georgina. I don't know if I would want to ask a question. I just need to clarify the boredom. He okay. continues to say that he's bored. And um, is there any way that we could drill that boredom to find out where he's coming from with that? to find out what the boredom is about even more than yeah. we know. I mean, we know a little bit about the boredom. They, There used to be competitive kids in the class who he used to be competitive with, and they're gone. Um, the game they used to play, less competitive. So we know yeah. more. We know some. I agree. I'd like to understand boredom as well as I could, and I'm not sure that I do yet. So sounds, Georgina, like you would just continue drilling on the boredom piece. Maybe this could help us also with the loudness piece because I know when I was in gym class, if people were being competitive, that gym echoes and is loud, much louder than a classroom. So maybe we could help make the distinction between the loudness of a gym compared to what's bothering him about the loudness in the classroom. Yep, and he may just be, he may, um, this was true of my son when he was younger. I don't think I've noticed this lately, but when my son... I haven't noticed this for a while. When my son was younger, he would say things were really loud at times when I'm standing there going, things are not loud at all. So some kids are just more sensitive to that stimuli than others. Um, I'd want to know that, if he's ever noticed that. So, um, well, it sounds like there's more drilling to be done on this one, too, maybe. What's the last class? His study hall. Study hall. He's skipping study hall. What do we know about that so far? Um, well, it's right after lunchtime, and there's a lot of, um, I guess there's, they have a lot of sugar, so they're <laughs> they're insane. But um, 
his why do they why do they his study hall class <laughs> I'm not um, his ask. study hall class there's there's some students in there that he he doesn't like uh, or he doesn't know them too well or he doesn't want to know them um that was pretty much what he mentioned about his study hall and I'm not sure if he has problems with them I've asked him like I I kept asking him like what is it about these kids you don't like and he just he would either shake his head or just say, like, oh, they're just people I don't really want to talk to. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not, he he wouldn't even give me, like, um, was it a girl, was it a boy? Like, he wouldn't give me specifics. So I'm not sure if he's just trying to avoid the class. Um, well, and then, I, um, I don't, well, he, he clearly is trying to avoid the class. He's skipping it. Yeah, but this is the one class that he doesn't always skip. Like, it's the one class that it'll just be every now and then. Okay. Or maybe so like he's twice. not avoiding it full-time. As I always say, avoiding is we, – we're going to – we always need more details on get, escape, avoid. Avoiding does not stand on its own. Escaping does not stand on its own. Getting does not stand on its own. The reason for that is because we all get escape and avoid. And so us saying that a student's behavior is for the purpose of getting, escaping, and avoiding actually does not give us any more information than we already had because we all get escape and avoid. The million-dollar question is why is he going about getting, escaping, and avoiding in such a maladaptive fashion? Skipping is a maladaptive form of avoiding. If he went to study hall and didn't skip but avoided those kids, that would be more adaptive than skipping the class entirely, even if it's sometimes. Um, Now, here's what I don't know about why you didn't get more information on that one. It could be that um, we had already exhausted, I don't, you know, you'd know better which you talked about first. If this was the last one that you talked about, then maybe he was already tapped out from the first two. Um, probably another good reason to talk about them one at a time. You can start with that one first the next time. But it sounds like there's certainly more drilling to be done there. I just wouldn't save it till last if it was last. Know what I mean? Yeah. This was the last class we went over. Okay. So we don't know if he was tapped out or if this was harder for him to talk about or if this was um, one that he's less clear about. Um, we'll find out. Sounds like you did a very good job of drilling. It sounds there like was, there's more, more to be known. Yeah, there was some more. Like he would, um, he would get off topic a lot. Um, like he would start talking about something else completely. Unrelated. Yeah, unrelated completely. Like what? Um, well, when we were talking about geography, he started mentioning, um, like, oh, I want to go to these places. Um, like, I don't know if he was doing it on purpose, but he seemed really interested in talking about, you know, places around the world or other things they were going over in class. Um, like, places he's been to, where his family came from. And then we were talking about Jim. He started mentioning about sports he was really into. Um, 
Well, yeah, it, that's what it felt like. Yeah. I, he, I felt like he was what? talking around. I felt like he was talking around the what I was trying to get at. Well, I don't know. You know, we know where we're trying to go in Plan B. Kids typically don't. So not being privy to the conversation, I don't know if the impression I would get if I listened to it was that he was trying to stay away from where you were trying to go or if he thought he was giving you the information that he thought you were looking for, but he was wrong about that, or if... It was good that he was talking about the not especially relevant stuff because um, at least he was talking. Um, hard to say. But most plan Bs, most empathy steps are not seamless. Um, the path from the beginning of the empathy step to the end is typically not a linear path. Looks more like you know the stock market, um, up and down, and um, not necessarily in a direct line. Um, so I don't know why he was giving you some information that wasn't especially relevant. But I must say, I find that to be probably the norm more than the exception. Are there are there good methods for keeping keeping back to the like? Staying on the plan B? Um, you know, I would say that drilling keeps it on track. I don't know that you have to sort of announce formally that you're getting back to the original issue. <laughs> um, sometimes that can be a little off-putting to the kid. Um, and we don't wanna... I, probably what I did. This is I'm Zena. Sorry? Hi, Zena. This is Zena, and um, I'd be a little interested to probe with this particular kid, just knowing him, why he, not necessarily why he was talking about those classes, but have him give, give more detail. Because my impression of this boy is that he's very, very smart. And so I'm kind of wondering if when he says he's bored, he already knows a lot of what's going on in the class and maybe doesn't think he has to be there. Like almost like a college kid mentality where, oh, I already know about this stuff or I have the book, I'm not going to go. This is Isabel. I wonder whether it's possible that what he's saying is um, that he's interested in the content of the geography class, but the other kids seem not to be, and they're yeah. distracting him from what he wants to learn, and that maybe that's what's going on in Jim as well. Because he definitely does show interest in his classes. That is one thing he does. He'll come to me after a class and talk about what we were learning about and be like, yeah, miss, that's cool. Like, this is neat. And so the fact that he's talking about the topics, I think that might be something to probe with this particular kid. And it sounds like you've got some uh, inside info. And as long as we remember that inside info needs to be presented to the student as a hypothesis rather than as a known fact, we're in good shape because it sets the stage for him to either confirm it or let us know that we are off base with that. But that sounds like a potentially beneficial avenue or fruitful avenue of inquiry.
it sounds like you're ready to go back into the empathy step with this student. Yeah, I have a lot more things. <laughs> and that's, you know what I must say, that's the nice thing in schools or any place that's trying to implement collaborative problem solving about having a core group, a group of people like you all have had who are getting good at this before you try to get everybody good at it. Um, you all are giving each other very good input on uh, further drilling. Um, that's fabulous because um, maybe it's true that five brains think better than one, but um, <laughs> always nice to do this in a core group of people where people can benefit from each other's feedback and people can benefit from each other's experiences naturally getting good at plan B, if you asked me the single most crucial ingredient for getting good at plan B, other people's feedback is fantastic, but struggling with it and doing it and practicing it is certainly number one on the list. Mm -hmm. And my experience is that most people have to struggle with it before they get good at it. I don't know that many people who are naturals at plan B. I must say I certainly wasn't. Um, takes a while and it takes struggling with it. Regrettably, a lot of folks throw in the towel because they're struggling with it. That's why I like to make sure that they know that struggling with it is actually probably the most crucial step to getting good at it. Not not the ideal time to throw in the towel. That's you're you're almost there. Any other? Um, Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is Lucy again. I was um, had a lot of questions last week that related to time and how to really implement Plan B with a time constraint. Um, you know, just as a school day is so structured, and um, you know, thinking about next year and off air, we have lots of discussions on how we can expand Plan B within our school. And, yes. you know, something that we really struggle with as a school because there's just so many different components that just seems based on our conversation that have to, you know, kind of fall into place. So I was just wondering if you've had um, worked with other schools that would fit our profile, you know, in terms of being a larger high school. I'm just wondering how other schools really make it work in terms of fitting it into the day. I mean, one thing we throw out is maybe it can be part of our advisory, what we do with advisory, maybe inside suspension. Maybe we're just going to focus on one. You know, we are in a T model. Maybe we're just going to focus in on one model. And I guess we just get stuck on how to really grow it outside of this group. Well, I guess my answer is that I find that every school has to answer the question for themselves. Right. I'm sorry to answer the question that way, but there, yeah, that there is... The, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, the truth is, you all have come to the point where feeling like you don't have time to do this is an unsolved problem that needs to be solved <laughs> in your building. True. And it's not a discussion you can have with the kids. I will say... What I'm hearing you asking at the moment is how do we fit collaborative problem solving into our existing structures? 
Exactly. And um, I must say, some schools manage to fit collaborative problem solving into their existing structures, but especially those that have existing structures that give them time during the day to talk to kids. If those existing structures can be used to support collaborative problem solving, that's fantastic. And then the existing structure doesn't have to change very much. They do need to change what they do, what what the expectations are during those existing structures, but at least the day is arranged in a way that the structures are there, that if we messed with the structures a little bit in terms of what we're supposed to be doing during those times, we can fit collaborative problem solving into those times. However, my experience is that it is more the norm that schools need to actually give thought to their existing structures because, let's face it, in many schools, the existing structures weren't designed with a primary focus on having time to talk to kids. In some buildings, it was designed that way. In many buildings, having time to talk to kids wasn't even an afterthought. Mm. And so... Because the existing structures do not have time built in to talk to kids, whether it's about academics or otherwise, I mean, some buildings do have time built in to talk to kids. They they conceived of that time as being time to talk with kids about academics, but it's not that big of a leap for those buildings to say, well, you know what, we could take some of that time that we originally conceived that we'd be talking to kids about academics and do this collaborative problem-solving thing with the kids who need that instead on some of those times. That's not quite as hard as buildings that don't have any time built in to talk to kids. And so those buildings really have a major discussion that needs to be had about how we're going to create the time in our building to do something that our building wasn't designed to have the time to do, talk to kids. And there are buildings that have had to make structural changes in the schedule to permit that to happen. So then we I have another follow-up question with that. So, like, a couple thoughts come to mind, maybe, you know, advisory, you know, maybe some students could be pulled, um, maybe uh, we have team meeting time, maybe, you know, teachers can meet with students then, but thinking about the team model, I guess I'm wondering... What about the teachers that aren't really buying in? I think we'd probably uh, have that's a, a good question. That, yeah, that do buy in, but I guess I'm just concerned, like, okay, what if I sit down with Joe and we're talking and he's got um, unsolved problems relating to social studies, but the social studies teacher doesn't buy in, so the social studies teacher might not participate the way we need that teacher to. Now we have to but, become strategic. That's okay. That's a slightly different question, maybe even more than slightly, than um, how do we find the time. Yeah, that's, that's a question. That's now strategy, and that is how do we, and I'm going to paraphrase the question, how do we um, orient the teachers who haven't been part of this group to what we've been doing in this group? Mm-hmm. How do we tell them about what we're doing? Mm-hmm. How do we um, 
have them see what this looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's usually by having them sit in on a plan B that one of you is doing. What discussions do we need to have with them beforehand mm-hmm. so that they know what they've gotten themselves into? I mean, one of the things I've been saying to people a lot lately is if you're going to have a teacher who doesn't know anything about Plan B, sit in on a Plan B that's about that teacher's class, you want to do some advanced prep because we might want to say to that teacher, now, by the way, we're, in this first ingredient, we're going to be listening because I don't think you want this going on with the student in there. You don't want to be explaining Plan B with this teacher already reacting to what's going on in front of them and having had them not know what was going on in front of them beforehand. So I like to give teachers advance warning about what they're about to sit through and mm-hmm. that we do want the student telling us their concerns and that they might be hearing some things about their class and themselves that they hadn't quite bargained for and that that's a good thing. Because otherwise, you run the risk of a teacher who knows nothing about Plan B yet feeling like they were blindsided and feeling like, um, what is this? So there's a place for advanced prep, too. Mm -hmm. How do we bring other teachers into the loop? By bringing other teachers into the loop and having them get oriented. Um, It would be very hard for a member of the core group to do Plan B with a student when the teacher of that student, who the student is having trouble with, what I call the student's dance partner, not knowing what's going on and not being a part of the process. So mm-hmm. we got to strategize about how to bring them in. And it sounds like that's where you all are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a good place to be at. It just says you're not there yet, but you're further than you were. Now how do we start? I think you all in the core group, as we hope with a core group, you all are getting pretty proficient at plan B. Now, how do we help use your proficiency as mentors for the other people in the building so that next school year you're working on having this be building-wide? So I would say time and strategy are your two big focal points heading into next school year. You are at the precipice of having school-wide collaborative problem solving. You have people in the building who are pretty darn good at Plan B, who know the model pretty darn well, And now you're bumping into the fact that that's not everybody. All right. Time and strategy. How are we going to do this Mm school-wide? I think another piece, this is Marisol, you know, another piece that I think a lot about is, um, you know, just creating capacity um, for a system that can account for, you know, follow-up and 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 that collaboration within, you know, the teachers. 
you know, making sure that there's something in place that will make sure that there's follow-up. Because, you Here's, know, this is something right. where I think, you know, you risk that, that danger of you invest all this time this one week, and then if you don't figure out a way to make sure that there's follow-up, you know, it could be another three weeks. So, so we've really just added a third way. word. We've just added a third word, time, strategy, follow-up. Fortunately, a new website is being launched soon where each school in the project that I have going on in Maine will have its own page, and they'll be telling you and every other school that wants to know about it how they did it, how they created capacity, how they managed time, how they were strategic, and how they did follow-up. On that note, I've got to end the program because there's only five seconds left. Any town, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Green. On that note, we need to end the show. Um, I hope you found our Anytown programs to be helpful. We'll be back with one last CPS at school next week. Talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.